0: Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference.
1: Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSPMag24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Hello, everybody.
2: You're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSB Magazine. And uh, today we're going to talk about regulations and security posture and managing risk and trying to do that in a cost-effective cost and efficient manner. And uh, it's to me, the more the community is involved to help each other uh, with this effort, uh, the better. And there's an organization that I was introduced to that uh, we're going to have a conversation with to talk about all the good stuff they're doing. And I'd like to welcome Michael Parisi from HITRUST, who was kind enough to make the introduction. Michael, thanks for joining.
3: Hey, thanks, Sean. Yeah, great to be here. And if you can introduce the two folks that you introduced to me,
2: that that would be great.
3: Sure, yeah. Um, So I'm joined here today as the Vice President of Adoption of HITRUST by Carolyn Ellis and then also Eric Dominions, and um, they are part of a new group that we're going to be discussing today, um, really trend-setting within the higher education space, and more specifically as it relates to uh, research initiatives called the Regulated Research Community of Practice, and something that we're very excited about, and we'd like to educate the community about what this group is doing. And what Eric and, and Carolyn are driving towards, um, as it relates to ensuring more appropriate security and privacy standards within this space.
4: That's thank it. you, thank you, Michael, for this int- for this introduction, and thank you, Sean, for hosting us in your show. So let me uh, briefly give my background. My I'm a computational chemist and physicist by training, and I have been. Doing research for a couple of decades in that space but since 2011 I am the administrator the research computing director at the University of Florida and since 2015 I've been responsible for managing a infrastructure that needs to meet compliance requirements for research and then in the last couple of years I've been working with Carolyn on an NSF grant to sort of figure out how do we create a community? And now we just got a renewal of that NSF grant and Carolyn is the PI, I'm the co-PI, and we are now formally trying to create a regulated research community of practice. Uh, We got some good results with many people contributing in the last couple of years from the previous grant. And with that as a base, we now want to get to the next step. And the world, as as everybody in, in cybersecurity knows, the world right now is, is completely ready for such a community because in the last year, with the massive amount of ransomware attacks that were so successful Everybody is scared, and then now, of course, with the ongoing war, it is even worse. We had a, a security alert from President Biden yesterday to make sure that everybody prepares for the worst, so to get together and, and try to deal with cybersecurity, it couldn't be more timely. So let me uh, see to Carolyn so she can introduce herself. Thanks.
0: It's it is great to be here today. And so I'm I'm Carolyn Ellis. I'm with the University of California, San Diego, and I have about I don't know, five, six years attached to running some of the regulated research programs in, in the higher ed in, in industries. So I, I'm I'm thrilled to be a part of this and I'm looking forward to bringing together a whole lot of resources that are being spent all across the country, all recreating the exact same um, solutions for the, for the big problem.
2: Yeah, let, let's start off there, the, the big problem. And let's look at, obviously we're looking specifically at, at the world of higher education here. Um, th- there's a lot going into it from what? what am I building What's the risk exposure? How do I identify how to plug those gaps in, in in the risk in terms of what are the policies? What are the controls? What are the tools and technologies? How do I build out the workflow? What what's the ROCOP's role in that broad spectrum of of the big problem? Where where do you fit into that?
4: Maybe Eric, you can take that. Yeah, so so I think what we are trying to do is provide an overarching type umbrella, a structure and a framework where people can find each other and help each other. Because if you look at it, security is a is a, a pylon of lots of little problems. And as we know, if you read some of the stories of how a hacker got in and caused massive devastation to some of the, com- the companies and organizations, there was like a small hole somewhere. And, and it's almost impossible for anybody by themselves or with a very small team to make sure that all these holes are fixed. So the only way we're going to be able to make any progress is when we get together. There are technical issues where IT people who are system administrators can help figure out how to make your system less vulnerable, manage the risk. It's, it's, it's really impossible to sort of say, we're going to make it totally secure. Well, there is one way to make it totally secure that everybody knows and that is you just turn it off, right? If you turn your stuff off, you're fine. But, but then you can't do your work. So there has this balance between your institution or your organization has a mission to accomplish, there's an important and un- irre- irreplaceable tool that you need, which is IT infrastructure, so you can't turn it off. You have to do something, with what do you do to, to, to make it as secure as possible? But and, and that's where most people started, and if you look at it over the past decades, since these computers were created and since networks of computers were created, once the, the mainframe was there in the 60s, you had the PCs and the networks of workstations in the 90s, system administrators have been trying to be as secure as possible. They, they know how to make things secure. But then at some point, you discover, well, as secure as these people do their job, there still are problems. And, and it becomes impossible for them to be responsible because they have to install software that comes from other organizations and from companies and there are bugs in there and they lead to some vulnerability they're not always obvious but once somebody discovers them and the bad guys get after them you're in trouble so now you have the organization as a nation is trying to find, well, how do I get some assurance that you're doing the right thing? And and there are multiple ways to approach this. You can sort of say, hey, I have my computer. And if there is a really important security patch, then I may pay attention to it and may install it. But there may be some other mission critical thing that I'm doing on this computer. I can't reboot it. And, and the people that are using the system don't want to be bothered. And, And I can't put in the patch and then the next day somebody got it so there are now all kinds of regulations they go all the way from a law so that you can get penalized and end up in jail to just a contractual agreement or just an advice for best practices that are out there that say well if you want to keep your system secure you need to do these things and that then leads to having to talk to all kinds of other people who are not necessarily system administrators but who are contract administrators who are legal people who are uh, educators that train users and you need to get them all together and all of them contribute to try and make the system and the use of these systems more secure and that's a lot of work so if if Some institution, a university, that's what we are mostly interested in, a university all of a sudden says, well, we want to be able to apply for Grant X with NIH. And then the contract, when it comes down, once you get the money from NIH, there's always a contract associated with it. And the contract may specify things like, well, thou shalt do this in compliance with this law. Well, then as an institution, you're. You're either going to sign the money, sign the contract and get the money, or you're going to say, oh, I cannot do this. I'm not going to sign the contract. Well, then you don't get the money. Clearly, the university wants to get the money. So now they're on the hook. And then they say, well, we'll hire somebody to fix this. So then a person like myself gets given the task. You should make sure that our research computing infrastructure is secure. And then I'm just sitting there. There's one person is well, how am I going to do this and that that is where our community comes in. And that's also what happened in my case in 2015. I didn't know anything about all this regulation and laws and whatever. And I reached out to some other people who were more senior and I asked them, Well, how do you do this? And they played mentor for me and they gave me some advice. And they said, well, you should read this first, and then you should do this. And and then when I got stuck or didn't understand something, I can help there and 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 they said well you should talk to your contract officer and tell them that when they get a contract like this the first thing they should ask for is well is this contract going to touch any data that is really covered by hipaa or some other law and if it's not can we remove that line from the contract and sometimes people will actually remove it from the contract and then you're clear you don't have to do anything special beyond the normal security uh, precautions that system administrators have been taking care of for decades. And so that is where the research, the regulated research community of practice comes in, is to create that network and to allow people to find each other. And then if I create a document that works for the University of Florida, I can make it available on our website and then somebody else from some other university who is all of a sudden thrown in a similar position he he or she can go to that website and say oh there is a document that the university of florida created let me read that and they say oh i can follow that and and but i have to make maybe some modification because at the university of arizona i can't do it like that because it works a little bit different and then they contribute their modification and that way we all learn And then even more usefully, if all of a sudden some emergency comes up, like the war in the Ukraine right now, and several of us read the same news and we start taking care of some of the issues that we think are important. Well, the person at one university is going to think of some issue and maybe resolve it. Another person thinks of another issue. If we share it, then by the end of a week's worth of work across the nation, we may be able to list a short set of activities that everybody can just follow, and and now we all covered the same space that a single person would have taken weeks to do, and now we've done it in in, a, in one week, and and we can share it across the nation. That is the value of, or one of the big values of a community of practice. Yeah,
2: I, I love it, and I want to go to. Carolyn here, and then I, I suspect Mike will have some thoughts on this point as well. Because we, I've, I've covered cybersecurity, or worked in cybersecurity, or looked at cybersecurity from a gazillion different angles. And there's the, the the vendor view, there's the news view, there's the real threat view, there's the requirements view, and then you have your own specific view in higher education, and probably even more specific in research. Right? And you have your own language, your departments that support you have their own language. What the heck does a NIST mean? What the heck does a HIPAA mean? What the heck does an ISO 27001 mean? How do I translate that into what I need to do within my research organization in the university? And Carolyn, so my question to you is how how does, I presume, the, the community helps kind of translate and come up with the language that makes sense to the people who need to work on this and how does the community come together to help, help do that?
0: That's a great question. And yes, I kind of hope that not everyone knows all of these terms right off the tip of their tongue either, because well, surely that's someone else's job. And that's, that is hopefully where I'm, we're coming in with this community. So where, where you, you started, um, you were, you were, referencing a lot of the things that were the reasoning for having this community, because you have people on the researcher side who are saying, yes, I'd like this money, and oh, I don't care that it comes with XYZ regulations on it because, well, they just agreed to doing this work, not knowing quite what they got themselves into. On the complete other side of the spectrum, you now have a security guy maybe a security person, a security person who is now looking at it going, oh my gosh, we just agreed to handle this new regulation. We don't even have an environment for this. Somewhere in this picture, you also then have the person who would be doing the training on this, uh, this work. You also have um, maybe the export control officer also wondering how you can do this. So my community is going to bring together, you now have the research facing people who speak researcher fluently, but they also speak research computing. Turns out the people who speak research computing also are starting to learn how to speak security. And once you start linking some of these groups together on groups that would never have spoken normally, you get the power of that community because again, we all have way too many hats on.
3: Yeah. Um, so I I'm so passionate about this and, and the work that that Eric and Carolyn and um, our COP is is doing. I, I could probably talk about this all day. Um, you know, I I'd, I'd like to first start with how this became so intriguing for for us, right? As a partner trying to provide guidance and tools and resources for for this community to to leverage. Um, I remember it vividly. I I got out of an, an Uber in, in Chicago. It was February 7th, um, about three three years ago, and I'm standing on the streets of Chicago, uh, freezing like crazy, and uh, my cell phone's ringing from a Florida number. I'm like, I, I wonder who, who, who this is, and I was running into a meeting with GE Healthcare at that point in time, and I picked up the phone, and Eric was on the other end of the phone. And said, you know, I've been doing some some research, ironically enough, and trying to find um, organizations and tools and, and resources that could help with some of the initiatives that I'm doing here at University of Florida. And um, he's like, I'd love to talk to you, you know, more more about it. I came across High Trust and. I see what you guys are doing with, with your framework and this concept of assess once and report many. And I'd really like to explore this to see if it meets our needs in terms of not only what he's trying to accomplish at University of Florida, um, but more importantly, I think across the, the community. And I remember hanging up the phone and my mind just started wondering and I'm like, wow, what a great opportunity. Um, to to really help this this community out and at that point in time it was nowhere near where, where, where it is today. Um, so Eric and I you know ended up connecting and, and developed a relationship and, and looked at this and tried to solution it and what really resonated with me were a, a few different things. So one, as we all know, within higher education, dollars are very hard to come by. So spending a significant amount of money on ensuring, satisfying regulations with multiple different tracks and, and oftentimes, um, you know, efforts that are duplicative is, is not the answer. And, and it just cannot be something that these organizations can, can take on. If they're spending all of their grant money on ensuring compliance or security, um, in In that case they 're not executing the research, right We need them to execute the research. That was one thing that that really resonated with me. The second thing that really resonated with me is we 've all been in and around higher education for years. I had no idea that there was such a community around research until Eric and Carolyn and educated me, and and this is big. And I think as a society, Sean, as you and I know, we always try and bring it back to people, right? The intersection, cybersecurity, and people. I I feel as if we we don't realize how important this function is, and what these institutions are doing for us as as citizens, right? As as members of communities, and to be distracting with compliance and and security regulations, it takes their eye off the ball. I think Carolyn said it best. You know, we we need to make sure they're focused on their core competency because that's what's most important from a community standpoint. And thirdly, in the spirit of, of sharing, right. And then educating, which is exactly what this community is focused on. Um, we need to make sure that they can do that in the most seamless way possible. And listening to the conversations that these organizations have been having over the last 18 months, and, and us being part of that conversation, there's really an opportunity to lean in and help them achieve their goals. And it doesn't need to be as hard as it looks on paper. Everyone wants to do the right thing, but they really want to get to what the initiative is, which is let's get the grants and let's do the research so we can better help the community. And that's really where we saw our opportunity to lean in. Yeah. I love that,
2: Michael. And I mean, cybersecurity isn't easy, unfortunately. Um, it, it can be challenging. Uh, there's a lot to it. Um, I mean, just technology in general can be challenging to get to work properly. And when you st- when you throw the layer of cybersecurity on top of that uh it becomes even more more of a, uh, an issue and you mentioned goals and i i want to take a few moments to kind of walk through some of the goals we have five goals listed and and the first one is building a community so i think we've touched on that a little bit i don't know eric if you want to want to comment on the, that specific goal or if you want to move on to number 2 which is
0: I can give a a small, small element on the build, the community. Okay. um, To date, we have around 200 different institutions, um, joining our website and our different communities. We have a Slack group as well and a mailing list. Uh, So we're trying to get feedback from those groups and through that, it, it does help by bringing in different roles and different parts of the, this entire workflow.
2: And so, So I think the other part of it, you have the people, right? And and the next part is bringing the information. So you covered a couple of the channels. Uh, What what types of information do you share? And I think collecting and sharing resources is another goal that you have for the organization.
0: We do. That one is we'd like to do, we're doing monthly webinars on various topics that the community had said was of interest. So for example, how to make a sustainable SSP or what does your cost model look like? Um, We have research-facing ones, we'll have um, maybe regulation-facing ones, we'll have, we'll bring in high trust on sharing maybe how we can all get closer to interpreting some of the regulations. We will, um, we'd like to record each of these and then provide them back out to the community. And through that, I also am have my eye out for amazing resources around the country because just in one-on-one conversations, I've learned so many amazing things that institutions have, but they're all just hidden and siloed at each institution. So that's great that someone built an amazing product that others could benefit from, but it's not great until they know about it. So that's my hopes with collecting some of these resources that we can share. We have templates, we have tools, we have processes that have been tried and true. We have so many lessons learned as a community that we really don't know about in the larger sense yet.
2: Thanks for that, Carolyn. And Eric, goal number three.
4: Uh- yeah, when, when you look at the regulations, uh, and HIPAA is a wonderful example where High Trust Alliance has taken a lead, it has very specific uh, requirements and the law itself, with its security rule, is kind of open ended. And the community in the healthcare industry, both the healthcare providers, the hospitals, the pharmaceutical companies, the insurance companies, they have over the years sort of converged onto how they do things and then what it would be to try and do them more secure. So they are looking at their workflows and they say, well, their workflows typically have a database and there are some clerks entering information. And then it makes perfect sense that after you uh, have uh, entered some information in a screen and the person walks away from the terminal, that you want that terminal to be locked. The person should lock them before they leave. But if they forget, then at least you put in the control that the terminal automatically locks. And and after a while, when the session is inactive, well, you don't want there to be some inactive session sitting that anybody can walk up to and get access to that database. So there are all these rules that come up and and it works perfectly fine. Well, now you bring these controls to the research academic research uh, environment. And now you're saying, well, these researchers, they want to be allowed to work on data that is protected. I mean, the law is there, you got to do it. But the way you do it actually sometimes causes a massive problem. Because when you are working on a workflow as a researcher, instead of the only thing you're doing or the primary thing you're doing is just having, being a clerk and entering patient data as part of an insurance transaction thing all day long. Some of these researchers prepare some data. It is PHI data, so it needs to be protected, but they want to run some large statistical calculation on it that takes several hours. So they want to be able to start up a session and then let that session run and lock their screen, but they certainly don't want the computer to terminate that session after 15 minutes because there is no longer any keyboard activity. So that is where a technical control that makes perfect sense in one world, namely the pure healthcare insurance company industry, but doesn't work at all in the academic research environment. And there are lots of examples that I can give like this. So now if the academic institutions are trying to implement this and they are being audited by an auditor who doesn't understand the, the flexibility of the research environment, uh, they might say, Well, you fail. And, and if they fail, well, then the university cannot have this contract. So now there is a problem. So that's where we would like to go back and tell the auditor that they're wrong. But, you know, you, you typically don't want to tell an auditor that they're wrong. They don't really like to hear that. And, and you know, that's not a very productive conversation. At the same time, you cannot go back to Congress and say, hey, your HIPAA law is no good. you got to modify it because they're not going to, you know, pass a especially if you're a single university. But what we are hoping is that if we are a community of practice and we basically figure out how we can come as close as possible to this implementing all these controls, but there are a few that we all agree are just not possible. And then we can find partners like Mike and High Trust and other organizations like Educause. and and recently we we found some allies in NSA where we might get together and say, well, you know, let's see if we can come up with a reformulation of some of these controls that actually do apply and are implementable in the world of, of the research, regulated research computing in an academic world. So that's where our goal number three is. We want to get a community Have that community become a respectable community, not just a group of whiners, but a group of of competent professionals who are viewed by others as, well, they know what they're talking about. They're not just complaining. And let's listen to them and and maybe let's invite them to the table so that we can be part of the discussion of the next set of controls. So that is our goal number three. We want to become... A, a partner at the table when some of these control frameworks are defined.
2: That's yeah. Fantastic. And, and Michael, real quickly, because I mean, we've had many conversations of it's not just about ticking the box for compliance, right? That's it's right. a matter of understanding and really embracing what it means to have a good security posture. But even more importantly is the ability to demonstrate and provide assurance that you actually have a culture and an operational model that supports what you're trying to accomplish and that you can present that in a way that people can understand it. the auditors the people about to give you the nsf funds (laughs) right um so i know you do a lot of work in this area to not just move through translating the requirements into policies and controls and uh, and assessing how well those controls are in place but actually presenting the information in a way that that's useful to
3: accomplish some other goal, which isn't just meeting a level of compliance. That's right. Yeah. So we, we fight for our stakeholders. um, And and we believe in throwing our weights and um, our, our assurances behind those organizations that are doing it right. And when you think about this community and the things that Eric has done and continues to do and Carolyn and, really across all all the organizations. um, They want to do it right. They're not looking at it as a checkbox exercise. Um, At the same time, they can't be subject to significant audit fatigue. Um, So where we see the opportunity is to get behind this group and represent them in the form of appropriate assurances and arm them with assurance mechanisms and programs and processes so they can prove that they're not only doing it right, but they're doing it better than other organizations. And they're doing it in such a way that's smart, and it's efficient, and it's effective, and most importantly, it's it's transparent, right? It's not just about a compliance exercise or checking the box. To Some of the things that Eric was referencing. it's building a program that supports the ability um, to do these types of functions. And in doing that across the community, this is the other thing that's so amazing about building the, the community, they are improving the ecosystem overall. It isn't just that Eric's doing his part and Carolyn's doing her part. They're trying to bring everyone together so everyone is contributing to the ecosystem Um, And and our goal in arming them with our our solutions, our programs and resources is to not only help them do that more efficiently, more effectively, but also helping to educate their stakeholders that may not even understand all of the investments that they're doing. Um, So it makes their lives a lot easier and bringing it back to the people, Sean, as, as we always do, it allows them to focus on those things that are more important.
0: I I think you nailed that in terms of the ultimate goal. I mean, obviously, yes, the ultimate goal is to have some say uh, once it comes up toward the government. But from the institution side, the ultimate goal here is for institutions around the country to be able to get up to speed and handle new regulations faster than before and this means they don't have to relearn everything they don't have to retool themselves they have a whole inventory of amazing and trusted resources that they can use
2: yeah and i think we're, we're going to get to the 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 grand finale goal here in a second I, I, we have just a few minutes left so i want to quickly touch on the the goal around managing change because i think I touched on it briefly, Eric, that it's important to not just do a one-off assessment and prove that you have a a certain level of compliance or adherence to a standard or what have you. You have a, a program that supports a culture of security and risk management that's in line with what you're trying to accomplish from a research organization. And threat landscape changes... Regulations and standards change, uh, the technology changes, the research changes. Uh, Very quickly, the role of this goal for managing change is part of the program. Why why is that in there?
4: Yeah, and that's because well, there are in in this last year, we basically had three important events. One is the Department of Defense has been improving its security uh, requirements. And by introducing the Defense Federal Acquisition Rule Supplement and by by making it change, they were working on CMMC and they got some feedback from the community. And with that feedback, to their credit, they said, oh, we got to simplify things. And now they they rolled out CMMC 2.0. And but that's a big change. There were lots of companies and lots of organizations that have been working for the last two years to try and prepare for CMMC and now it's all changed. Well, if we are in a community, then we have lots of eyes and lots of hands and lots of brains that can all work. And and when we all work together, we can probably manage this change in a timely manner. The same with the ransomware all of a sudden all our cios are all of a sudden very concerned and they're calling everybody in their team together it's like hey we gotta be are we are we prepared for ransomware what are we gonna do when ransomware hits us again if we're a community then especially the smaller institution where the cio then comes down to one person is like hey are you ready so well that one person is just one person but if he has or she has access to this whole community well, then maybe just say, yep, yep, I, I got this thing and I'm working on this and whatever, you're ready to go. And uh, so that is where the community is also of great value. If something happens ch- quickly by having the, the community there, the communication channels, the website, the Slack channels, the monthly seminars, we can make sure that everything that is done by anybody in the nation can be shared with everybody else and everybody benefits quickly.
2: Yep, I think that's the that's the thing. went quick quickly. We shouldn't be wasting a bunch of time trying to do this. We should get to what we really care about, which is the research. So maybe as a as a closing thought from you, Carolyn, and then I'll I'll bring it to Michael uh, for the final thought. Maybe a, a a call to action for other universities, other institutions to participate, um, other partners to to join and help. Uh, what would you What would you call out uh, for folks to, to help you?
0: Things we'll be moving forward with. Um, first of all, you can go to the website. It's sorry, www.regulatedresearch.org. And that way you'll find where to subscribe. You'll find um, some of the webinars we've already hosted. But you'll also find plenty of opportunities to provide feedback of here's something I'm personally struggling with. Um, maybe we can connect you to someone else that is struggling with the same thing, or maybe that I can, um, find you an expert that is a little bit further down the road than you. Um, we're going to be looking for all types of roles and responsibilities from, Hey, this is my perspective. And here's what I see and know, let me share that with, with someone else from a different perspective. So go to the website and that, You'll find most of the things that you can um need and if you don't find it suggest it there's a page for future stuff too
4: and 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 be with be with the mindset that if you're suggesting an idea don't be surprised if we make you the team lead of an ad hoc committee to implement that idea or to work on that idea
2: yeah but it's on it and it sounds like you'd get the support of the community as, as you do that, though, which is...
4: That's right. That's right. You, you're not on your own and, and people yeah. will really... If you step up, you will be thanked for it and people will appreciate it. It's a very friendly and collaborative community. We're all in the same boat and we're all here to make this better. And all we all believe that security is important and compliance is sort of a requirement to make sure that the security activities are done but the the compliance by itself is not the goal. The goal is the security, and you just want to make sure that we're all in here together and we're going to get this done and make it better.
2: Fantastic. And Michael, I want to thank you for introducing me to this organization and and more importantly, Carolyn and and Eric. Um, Fantastic conversation with the two of them, the three of you all together. Um, Bring us home, Michael, with uh, maybe if you can... You know, we always like to bring this back to the ultimate goal, which is to provide for a better society uh, through technology that's that's secure and safe. So your thoughts on this program as a final final point here.
3: Yeah. Um, So to echo Carolyn's comments and Eric's comments, lean in, watch this group. Because they're doing amazing things and um, it's only going to get better. So uh, join the movement and let's get behind them and support them within the community.
2: Cheers to that. And uh, with that, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine. I will pass Carolyn and Eric to provide some resources, maybe some examples of some templates or a working group. Uh, we'll certainly include a, a base link to the site so you can learn more. And uh, same for Michael. If there are any, any resources you think related to this conversation that would be helpful, those will all be in the show notes for this particular episode. And uh, thanks again, everybody, for participating and those for listening. Uh, we'll see you on the next one.
1: Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at Imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcasts.